Hi, I'm Edwards Three, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Have you ever had the experience going up a mountain on a gondola, one of those enclosed aerial cable cars, you know, like a big enclosed ski lift? I love these things. Ever since I was a little kid, I remember having a chance to go on these, and I I just had a chance to do one recently while on pilgrimage. And, you know, you get to know a city, you, you go to a coffee shop, you use the restaurants, you're walking around, but when you get in the gondola and you start going up, you start seeing the city from a different perspective. You start noticing things. You see how it all fits together and you're looking ahead. You're looking upward to the mountain and you're seeing where you're going. And and then you get to the very top and then you get out and you get these beautiful vistas, an incredible perspective, a new perspective on the city. Here's my question for you. Do you, do you feel like you need a fresh perspective on your life right now? <laughs> you know, maybe like, maybe you've been going through a lot lately. Maybe there've been a lot of changes in your life or there's been a lot of stresses and pressures and you kind of feel like you just need to step out. You need a fresh perspective or maybe you've got some big decision on the horizon. You get, you have to discern something. Maybe it's about a relationship. Maybe it's about a job. Maybe it's about something going on in your family life and you, you have to make a discernment and you want to get better perspective. You want to see things from a, a, a new view or, or maybe you've just been really busy lately and you just need to refocus. You just want to recommit your life to what matters most. You want to look at your life differently. What are my next steps? Where is God leading me? Well, I think that experience of kind of going up a gondola and then seeing it down below, seeing the valley, seeing the mountains, seeing the city with a new light, a new perspective is similar to what happens when you step out of your routines and you go on a retreat or you go on a pilgrimage. You can look back and see where you've been. And you can look ahead and see where you're going. And pilgrimage has been on my mind a lot lately. And I want to share with you some some key principles about pilgrimage. But I want to be very clear. What I'm talking about here today isn't just about going to Rome or going to the Holy Land or a great shrine in Europe. There are pilgrimages we can do right in our own country, right in our own diocese. Even if I live in a small rural uh, diocese and, and there's not a big shrine where, where I live, there are things that we can do that is in the tradition, the great tradition going all the way back to the early Christians of pilgrimage. Do you bring pilgrimage into your, your life on, a, on some kind of regular basis? Do you bring it into your family's life and, and expose your children to the ideal pilgrimage? Again, if you can go to Rome, the Holy Land, that's amazing. But I'm talking about things you could do right in your own diocese, at a beautiful church, a historical church, in your own cathedral. Uh, I want to talk about the great tradition of pilgrimage and how we can live it out. And it gives us a fresh perspective on our lives. That's what we're going to look at in today's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree. And I've just gotten back from uh, a couple of pilgrimages. So about a little over a month and a half ago, I was leading my regular Rome pilgrimage. But then just this last week, I was able to take Beth. Uh, it was a blessing. We saved up enough miles and I was able to take her with me to go for our 24th wedding anniversary. We went to Lisieux, France, and we got to pray at the tomb of St. Therese and her parents, uh, St. Louis and Zélie Martin. And that was wonderful because we went there on our honeymoon, actually. So that was 20 24 years ago, we went there and it was our first time back. I was able to go back and pray in Thanksgiving for the many blessings of our marriage and our family life. And uh, that was awesome. And we also got to go to Spain and walk in the footsteps of St. John of the Cross. My wife has an amazing devotion 
to John of the Cross. And I love John of the Cross. I've taken doctoral classes on him and written papers and taught graduate school classes on John of the Cross. So I love John of the Cross, but man, my wife really loves John of the Cross. Every time she hears his name, she just is, is in awe. She loves reading about him, thinking about him, praying and seeking his intercession. If he wasn't a saint, I think I might get jealous about her devotion to this other man. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, no, but it was awesome. So for our anniversary, I wanted to take her to get a chance to go to where, where he lived, where he's buried, uh, where he was imprisoned and remember him. But this idea of pilgrimage, I want to be clear, you don't have to go all the way overseas to do it. You can do it in your own country. I'll give some examples from my country here in the United States. You know, if you're ever in New York City, go to St. Patrick's Cathedral. It's an amazing, beautiful church. It's one of the key churches in our, our state, has a lot of, in our country, has a lot of histories. Uh, venerable Fulton Sheen used to be there. There's a lot of history to this. It's a wonderful cathedral. So if you're ever in a Manhattan, go stop by. And, and it's a Catholic thing to do, to not just go, you know, to, to do the great shopping and watch the great musicals and, you know, see the great sights. It's also a great tradition when you go to a city like New York to go find the cathedral. So that's a wonderful thing you could do. If you're ever in Washington, D.C. area, there's the National Shrine shrine of the Immaculate Conception. Uh, that's the shrine for our, our whole country. There's relics of St. John Paul II, Elizabeth Ann Seton, and many great saints. It's a wonderful thing to do. Chicago has the, in the north side of Chicago, I've been here to the National Shrine of Maximilian Colby. If you have a devotion to St. Maximilian Colby, you can go remember him there. St. Louis has the National Shrine of Our Lady of Snows. Denver, where I live, I pass by this every day when I drive to work. Uh, just it's the first exit right when you get off in the mountains into Denver. It's the Mother Cabrini shrine. She lived here and cared for the poor here in Denver. There's a whole shrine dedicated to where she lived and you can walk in her footsteps and remember her. That's our country. I know in Australia, for example, I got a number of listeners down under. So shout out to all of you in Australia. You can go on August 8th. Coming right up here is the big feast day of the great Australian Saint, Saint Mary MacKillop. And there's the Mary MacKillop Memorial Chapel in North Sydney. These are places you can go when you're visiting a big city or on the road and you can make a little mini pilgrimage out of it. But did you know you don't even have to travel really far? You can do a small mini pilgrimage right from your own home in your own diocese. You know, maybe there's a beautiful church in your diocese that you've heard about, and you can go there and you can go and, and, and remember something about that, uh, that church. Maybe it's the great art that's in the church and has beautiful stained glass windows or beautiful statues about stations of the cross or whatever it is. There's something in this beautiful church in your own diocese. and You can go travel, get out of your own town, your own daily life, your own daily routines, and you travel somewhere else to go on pilgrimage and you go and admire the beauty and what this art in this church is telling us about scripture, about the saints, about the sacraments, about our faith. And that's good to kind of, it's like going up the gondola. It's like you get out of your routines. We could just be so focused. I got one thing to do and the next thing and one appointment and the next. And, 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 and getting out of my own house and getting out of my own town, getting out of my own routines can be helpful. And I can do this just by going and finding a beautiful church in my diocese. Or maybe there's a church that has some history. I remember when I lived in Kansas, there was a little church out in the countryside, and it was one of the first churches that they had built many, many years ago and uh, to serve the pioneers coming out to Kansas. And you can go and remember that and give thanks to God for that. Or, or your cathedral. That is a wonderful thing to make a pilgrimage to your cathedral. The cathedral is is based on the Latin word cathedra, which means this the chair, the seat, and it's the seat where the of the bishop. It's the bishop's authority, uh, and our our bishops need prayers. Whatever you think of your bishop, whatever you think of your priest, they need our prayers. They 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 are given the great gift of 
of ordination and apostolic succession. They are entrusted with the mission of the church, and they need our prayers. It's a wonderful thing to go to our cathedral and pray for our bishop, to pray for our priests, to pray for our diocese. And that's something you could do right in your own, your own home. You don't have to travel really far necessarily to go do something like that. But here's the question. What is it about pilgrimage? Why do we go on pilgrimage? Why do we do this? Well, when we're going on pilgrimage, we're remembering a sacred site, a, a, a sacred person, a saint, a, a sacred event that took place there. And, and you're remembering the great work God accomplished there. You can think about uh, when I go to Israel, for example, one of the things I love to do is go to the Sea of Galilee. Anywhere, there's many places you can go. You can go to Capernaum. You can go uh, to the place where uh, Peter was asked the questions, do you love me three times by Jesus? Many places you can go along the Sea of Galilee. I love just going there, remembering the public ministry of Jesus, remembering him calling those original disciples, remembering the many healings he did there. You can remember around Capernaum when the the hemorrhaging woman was in, in such suffering for 18 years and she reaches out just wanting to touch the tassel of Jesus. And I'm remembering that biblical event, but I'm remembering it not just something cool that happened in the past, but I'm remembering what God did here and what God did here with this woman, this hemorrhaging woman he could do in me. What are the burdens I'm carrying? What are the sufferings, the stresses in life that I'm carrying right now? And I could reach out and just want to touch Jesus and beg that he heal me. So I go to remember what he did at this sacred spot with this particular woman 2,000 years ago outside of Capernaum, and I can pray, Jesus, do that healing work in me right now. I need you. Lord, I need you. Help me. Wonderful thing to do. Or, for example, you can go to the, in Rome, you know, I, I was just in Rome a month and a half ago, and there you can remember the great apostles, Peter and Paul, and you remember their martyrdoms. You remember how Paul was beheaded, Peter crucified upside down right here in this circus, which is St. Peter's is built over, but originally was a, a Nero's circus. That's where he was crucified. And and, and pilgrims from the very beginning had this desire to remember Peter and Paul. They remembered where they died. They would go back and pray there. They eventually built little tiny, originally you know, they, they couldn't build a big basilica because Christianity was illegal, but they, and they didn't have a lot of money anyway at the, at the beginning of Christianity, but they wanted to go and remember this sacred spot. So they started building little niches. They would go back and they would pray there. And eventually when Christianity is free, they would eventually build a church, a great basilica. And that's what happened there. But when we go to their tombs, it's very moving to remember, you know, these characters, Peter and Paul, we read about them in the Bible, but they were real men who made real decisions. Paul gave up everything. He he was a leader in the Jewish religion and, you know, was, was well-respected. And he gave up all of that fame, all of that honor, all that prestige, all of that power. He gave it all up to follow Jesus and ends up getting his head cut off for it. Literally, <laughs> uh, Peter was a fisherman and he dropped his fishing nets behind and, and followed Jesus and follows him all the way to Rome and ends up dying as a martyr there. And we could go and remember them. We remember that, that God is real and God really worked in these two men. What might God be calling me to? How might he be inviting me to leave something behind right now? What are my fishing nets? You know, in other words, you can you enter into their life story. This is the beauty. And you could do this just praying through the scriptures, of course. But when you go to their spots, you go to this is where they lived in the Holy Land. You can go to Peter's house in Capernaum. It's amazing. This is where he lived. This is where he was sitting at the foot of Jesus, learning from him every day. I want to learn from Jesus. I want to sit at his feet before the blessed sacrament. So many application points. So pilgrimage is a wonderful thing when you can do something big like that. Or when I was just with Beth at, at in Lisieux, I, I 
I love St. Therese. She's like the patron of our family household. She's my favorite of all the saints. And I took one, a, a text, one of a, a passage from her writings and just spent an hour. We just spent an hour praying there in front of her tomb. It was wonderful. And I got to listen, you know, to Therese speaking to me through these writings at her tomb. And it just, it just, this text I've used for 20 years teaching, I've looked at it before, but it really hit me in new ways. These are the things that we can do, not just on big pilgrimages when we travel to Rome or to France or to, to the Holy Land, but we can do it in our own country. We can go travel to uh, a church, a shrine that maybe has a relic, like right here in Denver. John Paul II came to Denver for World Youth Day in 1993. We can go to Cherry Creek State Park and remember the big gathering he had there for the closing mass. Or we can go to the cathedral and remember he came right here. And, and what we're doing is remembering God did great work through these saints. That's, we're not just remembering the saint, remembering that God did great work through them. And and this whole idea of relics, let me just say a few words about relics. <laughs> it's, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I got to pray in the last two months at the foot of Mary Magdalene, which is in Rome, and the arm of Mary Magdalene, which is in, in Paris. <laughs> so, you know, her, her body is like cut up at all over the place. It's kind of weird. You know, Catholics do some weird things. The resurrection of the dead at the end of the time is going to be crazy. All these body parts coming together. But, but what I want to highlight here is that relics aren't so strange. You know, we... We have our own relics in our own modern secular world. Just last night, my my kids were we're big soccer fans, you may know, and uh, Lionel Messi, who's the the greatest soccer player probably of all time, just started playing in the United States. He came to the MLS, the U.S. Soccer League, and he's playing for Inter Miami, so the Miami team. And it was his first game just the other night, and my kids were were so excited. We we're all watching the game, and 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 they were resting him, and they came in in the second half, and it was so fun watching him, and and then at the very last second of the game, the game is tied one-to-one. They foul Messi just outside the penalty box. So he's able to take a free kick. And the other team builds this big wall of players to try to block the kick. And he kicks it over, curves it into the upper 90. Goalie had no chance. It was the most spectacular, you know, way to enter into the MLS and American soccer. You know, you couldn't have scripted it better. And the announcers made the comment, said, you know, so who's going to get Messi's jersey? You know, like, in other words, everyone's going to want this jersey, the first jersey he wore in American soccer for the Miami team, and he scored that amazing goal in the last second of the game. And we have our own relics. People want a piece of Messi, if you will. <laughs> you know, they, they want a piece of his jersey, or they want a, they want the guitar pick of, of their favorite rock star. They want the harmonica of their favorite singer. Uh, you know, these are things that, w- that, that we do in our own country. My kids collect baseball cards. They remember baseball cards. My, my son just yesterday was talking all about this, this, this uh, reprodu- reproduced Babe Ruth baseball card. You know, one of the famous baseball players of all time. And he has like a reproduction of it. And he's all excited about it because he wants to remember Babe Ruth. My kids even have what they have now out in the baseball card business. They have relic cards. They literally call them this relic cards. It's a baseball card that has a small piece of the jersey of the player in it. You, play, you pay extra to get the relic card. So even use the word relic. So the idea of relics, if you think about it, what's happening in our secular world, you want to remember that person. Now, something so much greater than Babe Ruth or Lionel Messi or Eric Clapton or Bono or whatever your favorite rock star is, you know, more important than than that is what God does, his work of salvation in the saints. And we want to remember that. And so when we get a relic of a saint, we 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 kneel before this is the garment that that St. Francis wore. You remember him. You remember he was real. This is the shoe he wore when he got the stigmata. You can see these in Assisi, for example. It's moving, but 
in many countries have their own relics, like small pieces of here is, you know, part of the, here's the blood of John Paul II. And you go and you remember St. John Paul II, what God did in him. And you ask God to help you, to help you to live like he did and to live heroically, courageously, faithfully like he did. So that's what we're doing on pilgrimage, whether it's a big pilgrimage, like going overseas or the small ones we can do in our own towns, in our own diocese, when we go to a beautiful church to remember the art and what the art is pointing to. It's telling us the story of scripture. It's telling us the story of Jesus. And we want that story written in our hearts. Or, or we go to our cathedral and we pray for our bishop and we pray for our priest. We remember what God has done for 2,000 years in every diocese around the world through apostolic succession, that, that he works through these men, however holy or unholy they are, he works through them and provides the truth for the church and, and, and the sacraments are dispensed. And, and these are amazing miracles that happen every day that souls are forgiven in the sacrament of reconciliation and the bread and wine are really changed into the body and blood of Christ. It's amazing. So we can go and thank God for the gift of apostolic succession, the gift of the sacraments, the gift of the, the teachings of the church when we go and pray at our cathedral. So these are things we could do. And, and, and when we go on pilgrimage and we get out of our routines, it's a way to remind us that all of life is a pilgrimage. I get out of my routines, like going up the gondola. And I, I go and I remember this saint. I remember what God does through apostolic succession and the priesthood. I remember the story of the scriptures depicted in these stained glass windows in this church in my diocese. Whatever it is, I'm going and I'm remembering these things because I need to be I need to be reminded of them in an age where so many other things are vying for my attention. What's the latest in the news and politics and sports and the Taylor Swift concert tour? You know, all these things they don't really matter that much compared to the bread and wine being changed in the body and blood of Christ. And when I look at a stained glass window depicting the Eucharist, it's reminding me of what matters most. Or when I kneel down before a relic, I kneel down before a tomb of a saint, I'm reminded this matters so much more than that big concert tour going around our country. And I, and I need to be reminded of these things so that I can reprioritize my life. Because that's what happens when you go up the gondola, right? You, you might have noticed, okay, I went to this you know, this church in this city, or I went to this restaurant, or I went to this museum. But then when you go up the gondola, you see the whole, you see how it's all, the whole, the whole city is, is put together. And that's what we need to do in our lives is to step out of our normal routines and see the whole of our lives, to see where we've been, to see where God's leading us next, to see what matters most and want to refocus. I want to come back from a pilgrimage and refocus and redirect my life to what is truly most important. I'm going to make more time for prayer. I want to make more time for the Eucharist. I want to make more, more time to, to strive after rooting out my weaknesses like St. Therese did. You know, whatever it is, like you remember something about what God did in the saint and you apply it to your life. So I want to close with some four, four practical points of things you can do. And again, you could do these in your own little pilgrimages at home. Uh, in your home diocese, or you can do these if you're going on a big pilgrimages, but four things anyone could do for any kind of pilgrimage, big or small, overseas or local, to help you really enter into it. The first thing is to take time to prepare. Don't just go. Don't just go and show up. Like, Don't get on the airplane and go fly to the Holy Land and just show up. Or don't just go get in the car and say, hey, kids, we're going to go drive to the cathedral. And then, But you didn't really do any homework. You didn't do any preparation. 
You certainly want to pray in anticipation of a pilgrimage in the days leading up to it, maybe the weeks leading up to it. I always tell my pilgrims in the months leading up, let's all pray for each other. Let's pray for our fellowship together. Pray that we're open to the graces that come on a pilgrimage. So take time to pray, but even I would say also it's good to, to just do a little bit of reading. Maybe go online, read about that saint you're going to go pray before their relic. Read about that beautiful church that's there. Read about the history of your of your cathedral. It's a wonderful thing to do, just to learn a little bit about something. So you you're bringing something as you come to it. I know many times people go on pilgrimage and they'll go into a beautiful church in Rome, for example, and they go, "Wow, this is really beautiful. Oh man, those are cool colors in those paintings over there. That statue's magnificent, and that's that's great." But they're just in awe by the beauty. They don't really understand how all of these statues here represent these saints and they represent these biblical characters and how it all fits together. If you study a little bit ahead of time, you can actually enter into it more. This is one thing I did with my daughter, Kiara, when she got to go with me. When my kids are nine, they get to come with dad on the Rome pilgrimage. But I give her a syllabus, like for about three months in anticipation of the trip, she's reading about the saints. So she read about, you know, for about 20 different saints, read short little, you know, little children's book versions of their life story. But she read about them and then she had to write a short little essay, an essay meaning like maybe six to eight sentences, not really long for a nine-year-old, you know, but but I wanted her to learn about the saints so that when we got to their tomb, she knew something about them and then she could have a connection with them and she was excited to see them. And we studied the art in the Sistine Chapel. We studied how, how they built St. Peter's Basilica. We studied some of the history of, of ancient Rome and the martyrs. And so that when she came, she was, she was coming excited to go, I want to see this. Oh, I remember this is the symbol of this St. Dad. And she would notice things. And so take time, whether you're going on a big pilgrimage overseas to learn about the sites you're going to see, or even a small domestic local pilgrimage, learn about your cathedral, learn about the history of this particular church that's an hour away from your home, learn about the art that's in, in this beautiful church you want to go visit. It, it helps prepare, till the soil in your soul to encounter God. Now, the other thing I would say is, you know, there's a big difference between being a pilgrim and a tourist. A tourist just wants to see something, take a photo, admire the beauty, learn something of the history, and that's all fine. But a pilgrim wants to enter into the sacredness of the of the site they're visiting. <laughs> or maybe better, they want to let the sacredness of that site enter them. So I think it's really important that you go in a prayerful attitude. This is one thing I tell my pilgrims is, you know, I, I give them a little tour of the church we're going to see in Rome, or we walk around the site of the, in the Holy Land. And, and, and then I say, all right, I'll do a little teaching on the saint or a little site on the, a little teaching on the biblical scene. But then I'll say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. We're going to have a half hour here. And I want you to is give you, give your first fruits to God, put away your phones. Don't take pictures right now. Don't go to the gift shop. You can do that later, but give your first 15 minutes to just sit here with the biblical story, with the saint and pray. That's what a pilgrim does. A pilgrim isn't eager to just take a million pictures and eager to just go buy a bunch of gifts at the gift shop. Nothing wrong with those things. Those are good things. But put first things first when you're on a pilgrimage. Put God first, put the saint first, and put your encounter with them. You can't really enter into the spiritual significance of the site. You can't really encounter God at the sacred site if you're too busy taking pictures and worried about getting to the gift shop. You need to just rest in the silence, in the stillness of your heart and allow the sacredness of the site to speak to you. Allow God to speak to you through the sacredness of the site. And that's the, that leads to the third point, And that is, yeah, take, take the, the time for prayer before 
you go and take pictures. So take time for prayer more than pictures. And the last thing is come always leave a pilgrimage with a takeaway. When you leave the sacred site, maybe write something down. What was it about this biblical event that took place here that hit you anew this time? What is it about this saint that spoke to you? What is it about the beauty of these stained glass windows or this maybe this statue, this image of Mary, this icon you saw in your local church? Well, what is it what is it that touched you here? Maybe you 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 have a fresh perspective on this story, this saint and how it might apply to your life. Because remember, this is what a pilgrimage ultimately is all about. Our lives are a pilgrimage. We're going on a journey. We're not made for this world. And we're made ultimately for the heights of heaven. And so when we go on pilgrimage, it's reminding us of what really matters, what's really most important in life. We are made like going up the gondola. We're made for the heights. We're not made to just be focused on what's happening on this world. And so always leave a pilgrimage with a takeaway, with an action point that you can pray with over the next when you come back home. So these are just a couple tips on on pilgrimage. And my prayer for you is that you go on a spiritual gondola up a mountain, a spiritual mountain, that you go on pilgrimage. Make Make it a priority sometime in this next year to go on a mini pilgrimage. It could be a big one. Maybe you do it overseas. It could be something you just do while you're traveling and you're going to another city for work. And you know, I'm in New York City. I'll stop by St. Patrick's Cathedral. It's a wonderful thing to do. Or maybe it's just a small pilgrimage you do in your own diocese to go visit your cathedral, visit a historic church, or visit a beautiful church and admire the art, the beauty, and the story it tells about our faith. But when we do this, it's like we're going up that spiritual gondola to get out of our routines, to get out of the burdens we're carrying, And remember what matters most, Jesus, the sacraments, the scriptures, and what he does in the saints and what he did in those saints, whether it's the hemorrhaging woman or St. Therese of Lisieux or St. Peter and St. Paul, he wants to do in us. He wants to transform our hearts by his grace. And we're inspired by the saints to give our hearts more to Jesus. That's what we want to do on pilgrimage. I pray this has been helpful for you. Thanks so much for listening, my friends. You can always reach me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or on my website, edwardsri.com. That's edwardsri.com. I have information on my pilgrimages there to Rome or to the Holy Land, but you don't have to go with me. You can go with anybody, but I pray that you will be blessed to go on some kind of pilgrimage, even if it's a small one in your own local diocese. Thanks so much and God bless.